0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, today, we welcomed Reverend Janelle Kurtz, lead pastor of Snohomish United Methodist Church here in Washington. Um, as we wrapped up our uh, August series, our summer guest uh, series, um, it was something fun that uh, Janelle and I did. We, we've we been friends for a little while now. Uh, she's been somebody who I often turn to and, and ask for advice and, and grow in wisdom. And uh, we thought it'd be fun uh, to do a pulpit swap. So uh, today, I was over at Snohomish, United Methodist Church. Uh, she was at Bothell and she preached from Jeremiah. This is uh, uh story that may not be super familiar to a lot of people, but it's uh, one of those where uh, Jeremiah is told to buy some land. Uh, it's, a, it's a good one. And so uh, check out how uh, we might live into our call as people of faith, as we draw from uh, the experience and example of Jeremiah.
1: Good and gracious God, open our hearts to hear your word that we would receive it and open our hands to put it to work. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. About a year or so ago, my good friend Courtney was getting ready to move. And my other friend Hannah was trying to convince her to come buy her neighbor's house so they could live next door to each other and so we were gathering as we do every week via video chat we've done this for 10 years by the way before the pandemic made us do it we were together on video chat and my friend hannah starts in on her sales pitch she's like hey courtney the house next door is for sale you should see it it's a great house It's really big, it's got four bedrooms, a nice neighborhood, a finished basement, great neighbors, dead-end street. And then she really goes for the sale. She's like, it has a washing machine and a dryer, and they work. Now this is funny, because my poor friend Courtney has had the worst luck with washers and dryers. So that was really the selling point. And at this point, Hannah starts screen sharing and is just going through the pictures, selling her on the house. And then she says, there's just one thing. It is terribly overpriced. And then she pauses. She holds her breath and she looks at me directly through the screen. You know when sometimes you're in a group video chat, but someone's staring right at you? That's what happened. She goes, Oh, Janelle, you're not gonna want to hear this. Okay. She goes, they're asking 180 for this house. Okay. My friend Hannah lives in Cleveland. My friend Courtney would settle in Columbus. This is my home state of Ohio. And so as soon as Hannah goes, oh, it's terribly overpriced. You're not going to want to hear this. I began reminding myself all the reasons we moved to Washington seven years ago. (laughs) Cost of living wasn't one of them. (laughs) Well, my friends, I, um, I couldn't get that out of my mind. And whenever I hear this story which I love this story from Jeremiah when you hear it it doesn't sound very exciting at all but I think it's very very exciting and so you hear this story and all I can hear is my poor friend Hannah oh it's terribly overpriced and it was you see this story Jeremiah buys a field in Anatos and it is really overpriced. I don't know what $180,000 converts to in shekels of silver. I didn't do the math on it, but I can tell you 17 shekels of silver was exactly 17 shekels of silver too much for this field that Jeremiah bought. And so I hear this story and all I think is, Hannah, oh, it's terribly overpriced. You're not going to want to hear this. You see, Jeremiah is confined to the court, which is a nice way of saying is serving a life sentence for treason, and so he has no business buying a field. I mean, for for a lot of reasons, being in prison serving a life sentence for treason is definitely high up on the list, but there are other reasons that Jeremiah knows full well why buying a field in Anatole is a terrible idea. Because Jeremiah is in prison serving this life sentence for treason because he has prophesied that Babylon, the enemy, is at the gate and is about to like take everyone away. It's going to be terrible. And you can guess that Babylon is not going to care who actually holds the deed to the land when they come in. And yet this, this is the time that Jeremiah is like, let's find 17 shekels of silver. Let's buy that field. I say this, you and I, we don't have history together, so you, you don't know. I do say this half jokingly, half serious, but also as someone who's pretty open about mental health, uh, my own, and how to support that. So I don't say this lightly. I'm pretty sure the only reason it makes sense for Jeremiah to buy this land right then is if he was trying to submit like an insanity plea deal To get his sentence reduced. It does not make sense. That is how absurd what Jeremiah does is. That's how absurd it is. And yet that's not what he is after at all. Jeremiah buys this field. Because he is somehow absolutely clear on his calling. Absolutely clear on God at work in the world. And so, he is ready to buy this field. If you don't recall Jeremiah's, the prophet, his call story, I love it. He was the one who said, I'm way too young, don't call me to this. I resonate with that a lot. I'm way too young, don't call me to this. But Jeremiah's call was very clear. Jeremiah was going to be a prophet who would destroy and pull up and tear down, but then, but then, he would also be the prophet who would get to plant and rebuild. And I think of this story as Jeremiah finally, finally getting to the place where he gets to live into that calling of planting and rebuilding. So Jeremiah hears the word from God. Your cousin will come to you, and he will say, buy this land, and I want you to buy it even though you are also the very one who is doing my word and is proclaiming my word, saying the enemy is at the gate. I need you to buy the land. It's a great sign act of hope that God is not done with the people yet. No matter every other circumstance around them. God is asking, is anything too hard for me? And Jeremiah answers by pulling out his pockets, finding 17 shekels of silver, and buying that field. That's Jeremiah's answer. And he does it in full view of everyone, too. So he calls Baruch, he calls him over, he gets all the right people to record it as a legal deed and a document, and he puts it in an earthenware jar, He gives it to Baruch to hold on to because Jeremiah knows that this hope needs to be able to last for a while. This isn't the kind of investment that is going to flip quickly. This is the kind of hope that really needs to last. So Jeremiah does this in public so that there are witnesses to see his willingness to put his money where God's mouth is what i think of in this story jeremiah is putting his money where god's mouth is to buy the deeds of hope for a future generation to buy the promise well not buying the promise but to invest into participate with the promise of god at work in the world for jeremiah his faith means risking his reputation on god's own reputation it means doing that bold risk-taking nonsensical seeming thing for faith because he believes that indeed nothing nothing is too hard for god indeed god is not done with us yet the very definition of faith that Hebrews offers later on. The assurance of things hoped for, confidence of things unseen. Jeremiah buying the field at Anatole is exactly that. His reality was prison bars, an enemy at the gate. It was exile. And yet somehow, even in that place, He trusts in God's promise of redemption and return. That somehow fruitfulness will come to a place that may seem fallow and has worse days ahead for it still. And yet that's not its end. So Jeremiah buys the field. I told you this is an exciting story. Suddenly, suddenly that land doesn't seem quite so overpriced anymore. I mean, sure, whoever took those 17 shekels of silver is laughing all the way to the bank. But Jeremiah knows that that land is not so overpriced. This purchase is not just a reckless action of a prophet who has lost his senses. This is an act of of hope. This is a down payment On God's radical power and promise yet to come. This is Jeremiah realizing that he is not just the one who says God has promises, but he is the one who participates in those promises. Not just waiting for God to make it come to pass, but willing to show up too. I never thought I would have a favorite real estate story. Like, let's just be honest. What I know about real estate, location, 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 nothing else. But this is it. This has got to be my favorite real estate transaction story in all of history. Because Jeremiah buys the field, and what he is doing is he is buying the deeds of hope. He is buying the deeds of promise and redemption for a generation yet to come. The story always makes me think, too, of the many saints who have gone before us, who have done just that in our lives. I'm sure you have those folks, hopefully your community has those people who have bought the deeds of hope and promise for you. And now we are those called to do the same for another generation. Jeremiah risks everything, reputation, status, livelihood, at least 17 shekels of silver to say no. Nothing is too hard for God. No, God is not done with us yet. As I said, I am convinced the only way Jeremiah could possibly do this, I don't believe he was some superhero person. I believe he was really clear on God's call and work in his life. And so he could give of himself in this way because he knew it wasn't ever just about a business deal. He knew that this was his way of participating in God's promise. This was his calling to build and plant anew after all that time. But siblings in Christ, Jeremiah is not the only one who I think is put to the question, is anything too hard for God? He's one we wrestle with all the time as disciples, as those entrusted with the promises of God to bring it forth in the world around us. Jeremiah is not the only one asked to take some bold risks for God's promises. He's not the only person being asked to buy some fields in the assurance that another generation will again live there have their lives there, know God there. There are literal and figurative fields all around us. And I don't don't know your context all very well, so I don't know where that's gonna land for you. I don't know what your literal figurative fields are for you, but I know we have them. I know that we have people, and places, and communities that are longing, longing for God's redemptive words to speak. I know that there are friends, there are neighbors, there are grandchildren, there are entire generations who have only ever heard the voice of the enemy at the gate calling out its fear, calling out its threat, calling out its violence it's chaos, it's hatred, there are those who are longing to hear a word that God is not done with them yet, and who are more than that, longing to see people of faith do a sign act that makes that promise true in their lives. As I do understand it, you as a community have been in a season or a time, I don't know what season means, how long that is, a season of discernment, listening for God's leading and your community's needs about what it means to become Christ in the community, to become Christ in a community that's connected to yours, but maybe different than yours. And you still might not know how that will unfold You may know that you're not going to be the one to enjoy the fruit of it. And yet, siblings in Christ, we are the disciples of Jesus Christ who are called to serve a vision of God's kingdom come that extends far beyond our own small field. That extends far beyond here and now into every fallow land, every exiled heart. We are the ones like Baruch who are entrusted with earthen jars full of the deeds of God's hope, God's promises, that we would protect them fiercely, tend them well. We are those like Jeremiah who are called to buy a field of God's promise for another generation. Because you know what I realized? You know what really, really comes at a terrible cost? When we as people of faith won't do that. That's the terrible cost, the terrible price that is paid when we would watch fields go ahead and go fallow. When we would hear the word of God speak a promise of future redemption and that we would not act on it now. Because God will make it happen in the future. You know, my friend Hannah would have more to say than just a sad grimace. It's terribly, it's a terrible cost. You don't really want to know. She'd have stronger words for that kind of cost. And so, friends in faith, the truth is that the fields that God asks us to buy, they are nothing less less than fields of hope, fields of redemption, fields of liberation, fields of promise, fields of belonging for those who have been excluded. They are fields of homecoming in God's kingdom. These are fields that are nothing less than God's kingdom come in reality here and now. And those fields are never overpriced. So may we have the faith of Jeremiah to buy the field in hope for how God is already at work redeeming it. Amen.
0: All right, so that was Reverend Janelle Kurtz uh, preaching from Jeremiah, uh, really challenging us to invest in our communities, uh, both local and, and uh, maybe even further out. But, but what does it look like for us to invest, uh, not just for today? Uh, but for future generations as well. How do we uh, discern how God is calling us as a community of faith and as individuals uh, to put our money where God's mouth is? I love that line. Um, and how do we live into uh, God's promise of a uh, better future, a one one of justice and of love and of peace and of hope. And so I uh, hope you uh, have uh, a great rest of the week as our summer does wind down. Uh, next week we're going to launch a new series our september series and so uh, stay tuned for that in the meantime uh, have a wonderful wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon